0: Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket.
1: This episode is brought to you by Etsy. So you need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. And it needs to say, I'm a thoughtful person, and I appreciate you, and I know exactly what you like, all at the same time. Well, Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life, like the pickleballer. The jazz fan or the pasta lover. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there's something for everyone on Etsy. Whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now.
0: A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. It's goner, sir. Goner. Um, <laughs> um, uh, uh, welcome to uh, our second We Have Ways of Making You Talk, Dam Buster's special. I'd rather say Chastise. I'd rather say dams Raid. Because yeah. Dam Busters, you get sucked into the movie. You do. The mythologisation of the story. the um, You know, the uh, black and white epic... I'm I'm a big fan of the special effects though because when it, when the big splash comes, you can see that they've cut a hole in the film and put some wa- like water. The 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 visual effects are very exciting anyway james what are you looking at there
1: well we've got a we've got a, um, a replica of the upkeep which is obviously the bomb that they're dropping the depth charge the mine yep. whatever you want to call it um and actually it's been plastered with lots of photographs um i'm looking at this picture of guy gibson in his office but here's joe McCarthy's true um, crew there's big joe he's the only american yep um to serve so he was a coast guard in in new york state i think he was yep. and decided to come and join the raf went up to canada joined when he had the opportunity to go and join the USAAF, you know, once they'd entered the war, he, he, he turned did. that down, he stayed. Right. There's Johnny Johnson on the left, yep. his bomb aimer, um, the only Dan Buster still alive. Yeah. You know, that's it. Um, Guy Gibson and his crew, and I think this particular is a small one, but there's a very, you, you can get the original of this at the Imperial yeah. War Museum. And he really, really does look his years there, which is twenty four.
0: Yeah. I mean he's pretending to read that book as well. Let's he's be pretending honest. to
1: read it, but let's be honest, he's not actually reading it at all. He's just sitting in a in a in a field looking winsome in yeah. a in a field of poppies. But I mean I, I uh, Gibson's a sort of tricky character. He was obviously you know, he was a little bit of a martinet. He tended to kind of you know, the accusation was he only talked to officers and not too much to NCA. So I don't think that's really true. I think if you're kind of wing commander of a squadron this size Yeah you know, there's just not that much opportunity to Converse. You know, you still had you had different yeah. messes and all. Well, that kind would you, of stuff. and
0: in the, in the and in the previous uh, part of this uh, podcast series, you 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 did make clear how busy he was, how much pressure he was under, yeah. How little time they had. How quickly it's all been thrown together.
1: Yeah. So it, it must have just this this you know the 16th of May must have just come up in an absolute rush. Yeah. But I think the really interesting thing about, about about Gibson is you know when I was doing my my book on on the dams raid, I kind of sort of really looked into him and. The thing that struck me was just he was in no shape to do this at all yeah i mean you know he's clearly suffering from combat fatigue in january 1943 let alone in march when his tenureship of 106 squadron comes over and there's this very very famous broadcast by richard dimbleby father of jonathan yeah. and uh, david um who goes on a s it goes on a on a lancaster over to berlin a raid on berlin and um he describes it all, you know, the twinkling of lights and the flack and the kind of, you know, the shaking around and the distant lights of of Berlin as they come over, the sound of it. I mean, it's incredibly vivid broadcast. Yeah. I mean, you can still hear it, but you can actually read it as well. It's a—it's an amazing piece. Um, anyway, the pilot on that was Gibson. Yeah. And the very next day, Gibson goes over to Syston, um, where he's got this platonic friendship, this very intense platonic friendship with a nurse called Maggie North. Yep. And he goes into the hospital and says, "Can I see Nurse North, please, Corporal North, or whatever she was then?" Um, and they say, "Yeah, we'll just get her." And he goes back out into the car, and the kind of you know the sister calls up Maggie North and says, "There's someone to see you outside. I think you'd better go go and go and talk to him." And she goes out to the car, and there he is in the car, and he's just staring straight ahead. He's got an unlit pipe clenched in his jaw, and he's just shaking. Yeah. And he just turns to and says, "Can you just hold me for a moment?" And she does. Yeah. eventually she calms down and says you know was that a bad one last night and he sort of nods and you know but in his logbook he just goes goes over to Berlin yeah he, yeah yeah uh, dropped it a good show yeah um, but he's lost two of his best mates on the squadron about five days before or a week before or something and he's absolutely burnt out and by the time he's by the time he's finished his stint with 106 squadron he's done uh, something like 172 missions so he's done 72 bomber missions in bomber yeah. command and over yeah. 100 as a night fighter yeah so it's it's you know, that, that is way beyond the call. I mean, no one is expected to do more than 50. Yeah. So he's already done 72. And I think, I think the dams raid was his 73rd. And he just needs a really good rest. And by the time the dams raid actually comes about, he's suffering from gout. You know, the MO has said, you shouldn't be flying. And he just goes, well, you can forget that. You know, of course I'm flying.
0: But then it, why, why is he... Why is he still? Because go- you've got uh, someone here who could take a break and it would be entirely justifiable. Why is he still going? Because he's handpicked by oh, right. by
1: Harris, and Harris doesn't recognise him. And you just don't have that that yeah. care. You don't have people watching out in the way that you do, you would do today, or yeah. even subsequently, yeah. or even probably even later on in the war. You know. So he 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 Gibson is this person who's always putting out this this public persona of being incredibly gung ho press on, a press on type. Yeah, yeah. Which is he doesn't take any truck from people kind of saying they're tired or yeah, you just gotta that's because this is what you've got to do. But is that
0: because he's pressing himself on? And 100%. and so so he's doing it to everyone else to keep himself going as much as to keep them going.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and, and it is it's I th- I think you know he shouldn't have been flying that night. But actually Despite that, despite despite the state he's in, he is absolutely the right person to yeah. take it because yeah. they're doing a new kind of operation. So normally a wing commander, if he's flying, would not be controlling the squadron. You know, you get into your bomber stream, you go off, you do your stuff, and then you kind of reconvene yeah. for, you know, eggs and B yeah. and, and a cup of tea when you get back. Um the whole point about the dams raid is he is controlling it. He is the yeah. commander, and it's a bit like the red arrows that we've just seen, where you can see red one. He's doing all the instructions. That is exactly what's happening yeah. on the dams raid. So he personally leads the the kind of the first wave he over to the. He sort of does dam.
0: Master Bomber after that, doesn't he? Yes. It's kind of in the style of Master Bomber that the the Pathfinders are doing. Are They're doing this by then. Then, not quite, are they? Because that. No. By 1944, that's the established technique, isn't it? Is there someone tooling around above going? Uh, Okay, chaps, you're west a bit. Um, uh, uh, east of right. it, you know, or you're bombing short, t- tidy it up, and all that sort of stuff. And he kind of is do- he ki- he's kind of doing that for this raid, isn't he? Yeah, but and they've
1: got VHF radio specially yeah. brought in for this so that they can all communicate to each other really, really clearly. But obviously one of the keys is that is that you don't have too many people talking at once. Yeah. So he's really got to boss that show. And the interesting thing is when they get to the murder, first of all, he leads them and they do get to the murder down, even though a number of them, you know, crash on the way yeah. or kind of have mishaps. I mean, um, Norm Barlow, for example, um, he he hits low flying, you know. He he, he hits, goes under cables, does he? he? he hits the cables, and one yeah. of the guys who gets killed on that is Charlie Williams. And we got hold of all, you know, I got hold of all his letters that he he wrote during the war, and he was madly in love with this Nottinghamshire girl called Gwen, and you know they were due to get married, and oh, you God. know it was all you know, and he and he wrote to her that afternoon saying, you know i'm just off on a mission can't wait to see tomorrow we're gonna to have some leave after oh, this we'll God. get married you know we'll just get married yeah. next saturday kind yeah. of thing and you know and he he crashed I've, I've I've stood in that field where he landed you know and the cables are still there you know but of course if you've got if you're in a lancaster and you're flying at kind of you know 100 foot 80 foot very easy to do yeah. anyway but gibson does get there and he leads them all and and, and he does the first run he does a first practice run goes down Realizes that the the Myrna Dam is is armed and protected, yeah. so gets shot at. Then comes round again. Then does his actual run. Yeah. It hits the wall, it's a bit not quite on centre, and so it doesn't doesn't do the fatal crack. Yeah. Then realizes that by this time, the you know the defence is fully awake, so he's got to draw it. So he goes alongside the next one, uh, and yeah. and to try to and draw, draw fire, off the yeah, draw yeah. off the flak. And it, in total, he does seven rounds. Because yeah. although it's the fourth one that does the fatal damage, the fifth one has been has been carried out. Yeah, as well. Yeah, because it hasn't. It just breaks just as the fifth one is kind of reaching. Yeah. Um, and then you know those who've dropped their their upkeeps then go home. Yeah. But he leads them then to the Ada Dam. Yeah, yeah. He then goes. Uh, to the and Ada you know, Dam. and having flown that trip from the Mona to the Ada Dam in daylight at five hundred foot or you know two thousand yeah. feet or whatever, it's quite hard to find the Ada. When you've got a map and when you're kind of in daylight. Yeah. But at night, when you've got all these little kind of mists developing in in the valleys, it was next impossible. And they almost kind of went and bombed the wrong place. Right. But it's him that finds it and directs them yeah. there. And the Ada Dam is just the most extraordinary thing because... You've got this, this spur coming out. You've got this narrow valley. Yeah. And, the, and then the, the, the Ada Dam comes out at an angle. And you've got this spur sticking out, which is quite steep sloped with trees on it. Yeah. And what you've got to do with the Lancaster, you've got to come in through this narrow valley. And then you've got to do a 90 degree turn. Yeah, yeah. And come but, onto
0: the water. Yeah.
1: Right. But you've got only got about three quarters of a mile in which to do this turn. So to, literally, the moment you've turned and righted yourself, yeah. you've got to drop the bomb. Yeah. So you've got to... And, and you've got this thing, this upkeep, rotating at whatever you know hundreds of thousands of revolutions per minute it's doing which has that gyro effect of wanting yeah. you to just go straight on yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, yeah. you've got the 30 tons of the lancaster which is wanting to go straight on and you've got to turn and you've got to as you turn obviously you dip your wings dip yeah but but by the almost as soon after you've got to be at 60 foot and you're, you're but when your wingspan against, is 102 yeah, foot yeah, that yeah. Yeah. means you've only got you know 40 foot to play with yeah and if you get it if you get it wrong you're just going to dip in yeah so it, it it takes flying of, of just the highest highest skill, and it is amazing that they destroyed the, the Ada Dam. Yeah, three attempts they had, yeah. third one does it, and uh, another Australian pilot. And it's just it is absolutely astonishing. And when when you are there at the Ada Dam and looking at it, and you're you're standing on the spur looking back at the Ada Dam, and you're on the Ada Dam then looking back at the spur, you just. Cannot believe it can be done. And yeah. I remember going over there in a beach 18 at about 500 feet. And he just said, This is a difficult maneuver in this aircraft at 500 feet. Right. we were just going, Holy moly. I mean,
0: I mean, one of the things we, we talked about, we touched on before, is that, is the, you know, the bomber command rate of attrition, which is basically 50%, isn't it? Yeah. This raid is no exception. Yeah, it's about 40%. Yeah. 35%. Yeah. So it's eight out of 19. Yeah. And it's not, it, so it's, so it's, it's in that way kind of representative of Bomber Command's effort whether in total. In total. Whether you're being accurate, whether you're being, uh, p- whether you're bombing with pinpoint accuracy or just sort of generally plastering a suburb. This, it, 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 I mean, I've always been struck by that, how it kind of, kind of works out similarly to, to Bomber Command's general yeah. numbers. Whatever you do, that's the risk. Yeah, that's the level of risk that you're operating at. And of course, if you crash a Lancaster, I mean, although one of the planes is an exception, but 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 if you crash a Lancaster, everyone dies, especially if you crash a Lancaster from 100 feet to. Well, that's feet. what happens to
1: John Hopgood, who yeah. comes second. Yeah. So this is the other thing about it is is that. Gibson's done his dummy run on the Myrna Dam. So it's the Myrna Dam first, then the Ada Dam. Those are the yeah. two primary dams. And the third dam is the Zorpa, yeah. which is a different type of dam. So that's not one way you drop it. That's one where you are literally just dropping it on, on the top. Yeah. So you've got to get really, really, really low. Yeah. And you just literally just drop it. Drop o- it on it. On it. Yeah. And actually, the, you know, only two get there, one of which is Joe McCarthy and, yeah. J- and Johnny Johnson. Um, but to go back to the Myrna. So the, the second one is John, John Hopgood. And, and Hoppy is Gibson's best mate. Yeah. You know, he's his best mate from 106 Squadron. And... He gets hit as he's pulling out yeah, over yeah. the over the over the Myrna Dam, and although his his upkeep bounces over the top of the wall and destroys a kind of you know yeah. electric power station hydroelectric power station on the other side, he then climbs and tries to, to get out and crashes into the hills yeah. into, into kind of you know a million pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Gibson would have known that his best mate is dead. Yeah, and yet he goes round again and yeah. does it again. And the interesting thing about Gibson is, is that, you know, he confessed that, that every time he got into a Lancaster, he was absolutely terrified. He, wa- he wasn't one of those phlegmatic types who could just zone out and become zen-like and, and just fly it. When he was in it, he was scared shitless. And yet something about him on that raid is that he just digs deep into his very core of his being and pulls it off. And, and you know, if anyone was deserving of uh, deserving of a VC, it was him for that that radar. I, I think you know he's he's such a complex character. You know, his 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 mother, but is an alcoholic who's sort of accidentally set herself on fire. Um, he doesn't know his father really he's married this dancer who's a kind of sort of mother figure who's kind of, you know, eight yeah. years his senior or ten years his senior or something. You know, the marriage is kind of going absolutely nowhere. He's got this intense, platonic, very confused relationship with Maggie North, who's actually given up on him and got engaged with someone else. Yeah, um, you, you, you know, he's psychologically and mentally, he's an absolute wreck of a, of an individual. And yet, on the Dam's Raid... He delivers with bells on it. It is, it is, it is what he does. Anyway, is absolutely amazing. What he does, in spite of all the hindrances and handicaps that he personally is facing, is absolutely but just, just thing, phenomenal. But
0: we know all about Gibson, don't we? I'm sure many of the other pilots and crews were in similar nervous states too. I mean, the, 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 this is the this is after all the, the extraordinary th- thing about bomber command crews, or, or anyone in anyone in any of the Combat situations, talk of battles, we talk about, is you have to pull it, you have to pluck pull the pluck together to do it. Yeah, Cross a start line, um, you know. Yeah, I, get, the, I guess I guess so. The enemy coast, it's 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 hard. Yeah. it's hard for everyone, isn't it? It it is, but I mean, but most of the others hadn't
1: done as much flying. No, as no, true, done.
0: but but Gibson is sort of is typical and atypical, isn't he? In that respect? yes, because they're all, you know after all, when we've talked about bomber command before at length, it was about the question of LMF. The, the, the idea of LMf that you know it doesn't exist blah 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 whatever and and that that's so there's clearly in bomber command sensitivity't isn't maybe isn't maybe the right word, but like a, a, a keen awareness that this is a thing people are having to deal with yeah and that and that your poster boy pilot because that's what he becomes, mm. um, is suffering from these these difficulties and these traumas. It's, it's, I think is really it's revealing of the whole organization, of the yeah. whole thing, of the whole campaign. We're gonna take a brief break. We'll be back in a tick. The National Women's Soccer League kicks off March 16th on ION. It's a new Saturday night destination featuring the best players in the world. Yeah. 25 Saturday nights, 50 matches, all season long on ION.
1: Out in Williams, slips through, here's a shot, it's in!
0: This is a game-changer for sports. Sabina takes a shot herself! hammers at home! Oh my goodness! See the full schedule and find where to watch at IONNWSL.com. Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk, um, here at RAF Scampton, in a hangar surrounded by um, weaponry of later eras. Nuclear bombs. Nu- nuclear bombs, cockpit Vulcan bits and pieces. There's a Phantom, F4 Phantom. Oh, I've always loved the F4 Phantom. Yeah. It's a very sexy plane, that. Um, uh, very But Very sexy. But we are here to talk, of course, about the Dam's Raid, Chastise, Upkeep and we've been talking about Guy Gibson in this this first half the first half of this second podcast and you were talking about um you know his the situation he was in his morale really but he's the he's a leader isn't he so he his morale's one thing his men's morale is another and and leadership is the sort of it's the thing at the core of this, isn't it? Is because after all, he's a, he's known as a martinet. He's known as he's known as quite hard work. If you if you're not on the right side of him, um, Gibson's a handful, isn't he?
1: Yeah, but I mean, you know, he's 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 twenty four at the time of the Dams Raid, and he's twenty three when he takes command of one hundred six Squadron. Um, and you know, I think one of the things that's really interesting about the Second World War is how much is expected of very young men. Yeah, and and it's not, you know, we they. You know, all the competent sides are expecting a huge number, you know, a huge amount out of millions. But really what is driving it is a handful. It's those it's those those category B's that we've talked about before, those people who will go the extra yard, who mm. d- will will shoulder that responsibility, mm. will step up, will look after their men, but also drive forward pioneering new techniques and tactics yeah. and how you do things and leading by example and all that. And those those are comparatively few. Yeah. You know, that's that's the John Semkin, the you know, A Squadron commander yeah. of the Sherwood Rangers. It's Guy Gibson, it's Dingy Young. It's people, yeah. well, Dingy Young's a bit older, but I mean he's like twenty-seven or twenty-eight or something. But 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 you know, it is your it is your tank commanders. It, it is your your young fighter yeah. captains and fighter commanders and, and so on. And they and company commanders. Well, who are the people who aren't
0: necessarily they're not the people necessarily making the decisions, are they? The people having to implement them. The, the people having to implement them, but but they're
1: doing them with they're shouldering that responsibility but they're also taking things forward yeah so that they they're pioneering new ways of doing things and feeding that back feeding yeah. that disseminating that through through those under their command but also feeding it up the chain as well and i think you know gibson fits into that category so yes you know every lancaster captain is having to you know really take a deep breath and, and just absolutely control his his nerves every time he steps inside a lancaster but some people are expected to perform more than others yeah. and and what is expected of gibson in that time in the circumstances having already flown 100 you know having yeah. flown 72 bomber command missions having just finished a long stint at 106 squadron and finished because his time's up and because yeah. otherwise he's going to have mental and physical exhaustion to be given this responsibility to form this squadron to train it to 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 lead it and to train it at a time when only he knows what the target is and what their job is and then to lead it with such amazing fortitude and and clarity and and brilliance on the actual raid which is absolutely the difference between it being a success and being a failure i mean he is that link is just mind-blowingly amazing particularly when you consider this is a guy of very average intellect who, who, you know, at school was in the kind of second 11, not the first, you know, never particularly had loads of mates, was sort of difficult character, difficult background, nothing in him as a teenager that suggests he's going to reach these dizzy heights. He's not even a particularly brilliant pilot. He's a perfectly competent pilot, but he's not a particularly brilliant pilot. But somehow on that night, everything sort of comes together in a way that, on paper, it should never, yeah. ever have done. So you,
0: you, you'd argue he's the difference between the raid being a success and a failure? 100%. Right. That's it. That's very interesting. Um, why does he not then sit back, relax, um, not fly any more sorties? Why is he lost over Germany? You know, in a be, 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 because why why can't he stop? Because
1: he's so screwed up. Um, and because he has this terrible guilt that he's still alive when others aren't right. and that people that he served so sort under of him and his friends.
0: Essentially a death wish.
1: Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, I mean, he's never been flying that Mosquito when he no. flew it. He flew it illegally. He wasn't allowed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and it's grossly irresponsible and he killed another person in the process, yeah, yeah. you know, who's, who, who I think was married and, yeah. you know, had kids and stuff yeah. and, you know, that's a whole load of lives that were also ruined by that totally reckless but I, action but I suppose, and he wasn't ready to fly a Mosquito. I suppose mosquito.
0: You, couldn't, you couldn't say no to him though, could you, if you were the he's wing he's commander gibson isn't he and, you know and the
1: vc and yeah. hero of the dams yeah. raid and if he wants to go up in a mosquito he's gonna flip yeah, and go up in a yeah. mosquito but he, he should never done it he should have been grounded he should mm-hmm. never have been allowed to do it um it's terrible but he went on this kind of tour over the yeah. united states and and just hated it i mean just hated it but it's very interesting if you read the unexpurgated unedited version of enemy coast ahead which is his autobiography which he was asked to write by the air ministry yeah it's really good because it's it is really gritty and he's much more honest than than in the final agreed air ministry yes, backed tidied up, tidied version, up yeah. version. You can see the rawness there, yeah, and the fear and the and the kind of, you know, it's still kind of slightly dear reader, but it's not it's not quite as bad as it as it was um, as as you'd expect. I mean, it is it's really worth the read.
0: Right now, the other the other thing we have to talk about if we're going to talk about uh, the dams raids. Is uh, you know the, the, there is a there is a an argument that has gone backwards and forwards as to whether they were worth it, which I always think is a proxy argument for whether the bomber command campaign is worth it or not. Because I don't really see the difference between you know flattening a town or you know, and this is going to sound incredibly callous, um, or, or drowning a load of people when you blow up a dam. I don't I don't honestly see the, the what the difference is in terms of a, that moral question but people, the dams raid is a thing that that you can latch on and to you go know, look at the terrible loss of life um and, and in fact in a way it's a harris argument it's a panacea target it's not worth it it's not worth these brilliant crews it's not worth these young men's lives although the you know if the alternative is flying to hamburg and firebombing it because that is the alternative. You know, because if you're going to have this argument, you've got to con- contextualise it within the choices available to Bomber Command at the time. And that's how these decisions are arrived at. Is the, was the dams, I mean, I know what you think, but I mean, we need to, we do need to, we need to address this. Because a lot of people say, no, absolutely not. You know, and it's a war crime and, and lots of Polish uh, slave labourers were, were killed rather than Germans or, or whatever
1: yeah and the other argument is well the dams were all rebuilt by october 1943 yeah. so what was the point and you know didn't really achieve very much but it was a very good pr pr key for the americans i would say of the, of the value the pr key for the americans was was absolutely bottom of the list we didn't need to prove anything to the united states by that point yeah you know we've been in the war all that time we kind of won the battle of the atlantic at almost exactly the same time middle of may 1943. yeah, yeah what else uh, yeah, we, we, that's a, that
0: was the thing i wanted to talk about um in the other i mean timing first is important episode. what else is going on well May, this middle May 1943.
1: So so in, in that week, the week of the dams raid, you've got yep. the week before, you've got the surrender in Tunisia, which yep. is, you know, predominantly a British-led operation. Uh, North Africa completely cleared up Mediterranean yep. in, in allied hands, which is, you know, huge, huge contribution by the United States Air Forces, not so much on the Navy, less so on the, on the army, only yep. one corps, yep. compared to kind of two armies of, of British um, contribution. So, uh, you know, North Africa is a predominantly British enterprise and certainly commanded by the british and then um battle of the atlantic is largely won by the british and canadians rather than the americans yep. so those are two big things and you know bomber commander's already up the ante you know the, yep. the the all-out strategic air campaign has started in beginning of march 1943 with the bombing of the ruhr and essen yep. and Duisburg and yep. dusseldorf and all the rest of it been absolutely hammered and and hammered incredibly successfully so East, there's, there's Eastern, absolutely nothing to prove what's in the
0: front you've got citadel about to happen yeah, at the I beginning
1: mean, of July, and you've got the invasion yeah. of Sicily, obviously, Operation Husky starting yeah. in, in so the second week of July. So
0: Stalingrad has already, you know, Stalingrad's in, been and gone. Yeah, it's been and gone. Yep. And the, so the, all the Germans can really do is essentially, account, uh, uh, the, uh, on the Eastern Front, they're, they're sort of in counter-offensive mode, because they can't do offensives anymore, yeah. because that's what Kursk, Citadel is, essentially, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah so, so, you know, that has always been the argument. That was, a, um, you know, an infamous piece by by Max in the, uh, Max Hastings <laughs> in the Daily Mail, where he said, you know, it's a sort of complete waste of time and all the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, i just I just, I just do not buy that argument at all.
0: I mean, after and- all, the dam's not built, rebuilt till October. Well, it, it, they're still not rebuilt till October. And, if, and if, if, if the dams had been patched up in June, you'd probably be able to go, yeah, you know what? Um, and also, there's only so much concrete in the Third Reich. You're trying to build an Atlantic wall, aren't you? You're preparing for an invasion. Limited, lim- resources are scarce, limited, and your cities are being flattened at the same time. And do you really want to be spending people on fixing dams which are big difficult structures to and so on
1: yeah so if you think about the summer of 1943 you've got Kursk, you've got the invasion of sicily you've got you know you've got the contraction of the reich you've got everything going absolutely pear-shaped as far as nazi germany is going as concerned i think rather than saying oh they, they they repaired it by october what you need to say ask yourself is why are they repairing it by october Yeah. You know, and how are they achieving that? Well, they're achieving that by the most colossal realignment of resources, you know, in Manpower. If you look at photographs of the Myrna Dam being being repaired, the whole thing, and this thing is freaking enormous, is covered in in scaffolding. Right. The whole thing. Okay, they have built railway lines to deliver resources there. They have built camps for the workers that are there. I mean, this is not a small undertaking. This is monster. And they need this kind of undertaking like a bolt in the head in the yeah. summer of 1943. Yeah. Why are they doing it? Why is there such urgency? Well, because it's really important. It's for, the, it's for the reason, really for the, reason the target us. was
0: selected in the first yes, place. Yes, because
1: yeah. the shortage of water to the Ruhr is not necessarily going to be a problem in the summer of 1943. But if it's not replenished in time for the spring of 1944, then it absolutely is going yeah. to be a problem.
0: And it's so not fix just... fix the, the dam by the time the rain starts.
1: Exactly. And that's why you have to do it. The, the cost... To, to Nazi Germany, in today's money, is about $10 billion. Right. Okay, so what can $10 billion to the wartime Nazi economy get you? It can get you a heck of a lot of material. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. But that is being diverted to the dams. So, first of all, you've got to do that on the Myrna Dam. Then you've got to do it on the Ada Dam. You've also got to do it to the Zorpa. So, we haven't really talked about the Zorpa, but where the Zorpa is hit and not destroyed it it's is damaged. it is badly damaged it's, it's so badly damaged that the whole thing has to be emptied and they have to repair it again and and the only way you can get water back in is by the rains coming and the, and the rivers flowing and the yeah. rest of it and that that is not an easy undertaking you know it's, it requires a huge amount of industrial output and, and the amount of resources which are being drawn by the by the dams is is just phenomenal in the summer of 1943 um and the point is that, you know, the damage to the bridges on the, on the, on the lower river are all yeah. completely destroyed. You know, the, the, the tsunamis which come down towards Cassel and which go yeah. down to the Ruhr as a result of the, particularly the, the, the Myrna and the Ada Dam is just phenomenal. And yes, it's absolutely true that lots of slave labourers laborers get killed in the process. But there's a huge amount of material damage. And really, for the loss of eight aircraft... I, I cannot think of a single raid which causes more cost, more damage, more of a headache, and more of an alarm psychologically to the Nazi elite than this one for that amount of loss. Right? You know, because eight eight Lancasters down is is obviously for all those crews that's an absolute tragedy. It's a terrible thing, and all the rest of it. But that's pretty small beer in the big scheme of things, with so, the kind of daily losses you're suffering so, in, in so, RAF but, bomber command for, for much
0: less. So bang for material. your bang for your butt. Bang for your butt, literally.
1: And also, it absolutely sends shockwaves through the, through, through the high command because, of course, as we were saying earlier on, the holy grail of bombing is one aircraft, one bomb. Yeah. And suddenly you've got 19 aircraft coming over and causing that amount of damage instead yeah. of 800 or 450 yeah. Yeah. or 3,500 yeah. fly over, over Hamburg at the end of July. You know, 19 is nothing. I mean, that that's a tiny,
0: tiny, tiny raid. Right. So uh, I think what James is telling us is that it was worth it. I just, uh, I'm not going to check for a second opinion on that, but I think that's what you <laughs> tried to let us know there, Jim. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 so then 617 Squadron are given canals to bomb and... Stuff. Yeah.
1: Is so the, Gibson's taken off. That's yeah. It. Gibson's He's taken off. It he, is only yeah, one yeah, yeah. mission. He stood, he, he stood he gets, down. He stood down. And
0: then it's kind of what do we do with these people now? Because they do they do pinpoint bombing, don't they? Well, they, uh, it's, but it's, the weapons aren't really developed for it until right at the end of the war, where you have where you have Tallboy and. Uh, 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 g- Grand Slam. Grand Slam. That's right. Yeah. 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 Well, the interesting thing is, this is
1: a current current thing. So Coastal Command also developed 618 Squadron at exactly the same time to develop anti-shipping thing. And the point right. is, it's supposed to be a one-hit wonder. And they're supposed to do it in coordination. And it's the Admiralty that have led the 618 Squadron, although it's an RAF squadron in Coastal Command. Yeah. It is a, a, basically an anti-shipping operation, which is what it was originally. Yeah. Um, uh, and this is the highball, the smaller version, yeah. um, which is going to sort of g- going to hit the sink the torpedoes or whatever. But they're just not ready. Yeah. And so yeah. there is this just debate you know what do we do do we just cancel the whole thing because they're not ready and we've got to do it you know two together and and, and the the naval plan the, the anti-shipping plan with coastal command is just just sacked off yeah uh, and so um and they are eventually used out in the far east i think um but that whole operation which which they've been training and and you know mosquitoes have been training and up in yeah. scotland and all the rest of it um that that's the end of that and 617 Squadron was designed just for one operation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But suddenly they've got it now, and they're thinking, well, actually, you know, this sort of low-level precision stuff, maybe there is something to it after all. It's just, just this one squadron. And they do the dortmund Canal, and it's an absolute disaster. Yes, and several of the people, fiesta. several of the people who who are, um, including I think David, uh, was it David Shannon? Or, um, I can't remember. One, one of them, a couple of them did, or maybe it's, it's Maud's day. I can't remember. Anyway, a couple of them um, who were on the dam's raid don't make it back from yeah. that. And it's an absolute fiasco, and the new CEO is killed, and and that's that. And then Leonard Cheshire comes along, and he's the kind of, you know, the super-duper star bomber. And he's the one that licks 617 Squadron in the latter half of 1943 into 1944, into the kind of squadron it it becomes, this elite kind of precision bombing, go-to right through to the kind of the end of the war. And and Cheshire is an entirely different person to Guy Gibson. You know, he doesn't get particularly scared when he goes on you know he's incredibly methodical incredibly aggressive uh, very charming very easy natural charm very easy with absolutely yeah. everybody no martinet at this all is,
0: he's he's 100 he's alpha chap isn't he?
1: he's 100 alpha chap and i and
0: i i, I remember les munro
1: just saying he was the finest human being i've ever met in my life you know bar none and he was obviously just exceptional in a way, but it, but it came very easy to him. And I think yeah. that's the point. That's the, the thing that I would say about, about Cheshire and, and Gibson is that for Gibson, it didn't. He had to really, you know, he, he does everything that he does despite himself. Whereas for Cheshire, it's, Cheshire's the of, na- he's a natural. it's just a natural. It just a comes natural. very easy. And he really, you know, he really hones them, you know, with with the attack on Munich and with the Sommier yeah. tunnel and all this kind of stuff and the, and the U-boat pens and the... Uh, um, the kind of, you know, the the uh, operations on D-Day, the kind of hoax invasion force yeah. going across the, the, the Padre Calais, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so that's when 617 Squadron becomes the, the, the elite. Yeah. You know, that's why it's it's not just the dams raid, it's what it becomes, which is why it's still so important to the RAF to yeah. this day and why 617 Squadron's been reconfigured with F-35s and all the rest of it. Yeah.
0: Well, I think... Um if you've got any questions about the dams, right, <laughs> we could do you a third <laughs> podcast about that. Um uh, I mean, it is quite something to be where it happened. Very yeah. often we, we talk about, I mean, we you can't, we're not, we haven't necessarily walked the ground No, because the ground's over in. Uh, it's, it's a big we, old place. Well, but the ground's also over in Germany and basically a hundred yeah. feet off the surface of the water at the, <laughs> at the Mona Dam. Yeah. Uh, but, but. I mean, and this is obviously a replica, but you get the idea of the scale of the thing and to yep. sit, sit in his office and talk about it. it's, yeah, been, it's poignant, isn't yeah, it? It is, it is, it is.
1: And also sad because, you know, he didn't make it and, you know, here we are with pictures of him stuck all over to this, this, this replica. And he does look exactly what he was. A very, very, very... I mean, look at him there. Yeah, I mean, he's he looks about kid. 19, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, that's after the dams, right? I mean, look yeah. how young he looks. Yeah. It's just extraordinary. Yeah pictures of Barnes Wallace here I mean Barnes Wallace was absolutely devastated hmm. by what happened it, it just hadn't occurred to him that they wouldn't come back, yeah, which is obviously incredibly naive, but but he was so focused on on getting the mission up and running and, and the devastating effects of the raid and what it could achieve that I just don 't think he'd ever really th- thought about it and thought what what would happen um, and he was absolutely cut to pieces by it that that his weapon had been responsible for the loss of all these lives. Hmm. And I
0: don't think he ever really got over it, to be honest. Well, thanks everyone for listening, or if you've been watching, for watching. Um, and that was a We Have Ways of Making You Talk actual site visit. Can you believe it?
1: I know. <laughs> very, Good fun, it?
0: nice to be out of the house. <laughs> thanks for watching. Bye-bye. Cheerio.